Start your engines and join me in the new mobile game, RuPaul's Drag Race Superstar. May the best superstar win. Available now. In a world full of straight people, aren't you glad there's WOW Presents Plus, the number one place in the world to see Drag Race? Subscribe to WOW Presents Plus. Still only $4.99. Subscribe today as streamed on TV. I'm Matt McConkie. I'm a writer, actor, and devoted fan of Sex and the City and And Just Like That. And I've spent so much time and energy fervently defending the show that I couldn't help but wonder, should I do a podcast about this? The answer, of course, is no, but And Just Like Matt is more than a podcast. It's a faith-based community with a shared mission to bring back Samantha full-time. And it's also a call to action. It's a plea because I'm begging you just like me. Come on, you know you want to. And maybe after you give this episode a listen, you will. Today we're discussing, and just like that, season one, episode three, with two absolute luminaries. My uh, my first guest, I just, I have to mention just right out the gate that recently my husband, Michael, said to me, you know, you you say the name Michelle Collins quite a bit. Like, I've never heard you say those, say two words more than those. Because like, like all of you listening, I'm obsessed with her. I'm going to say her name a whole lot more today because she's here, uh. the host of the Michelle Collins show, Michelle Hello. You you know that every time you say these things, I actually am flattered. I'm not I'm not over it. You know, it's not some people are just like, oh no, but it means the world to me. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me today. God. And our next guest who I love. Bless you for being here. Our next guest, I mean, we're flying pretty close to the sun because we have a true insider from the Sex and the City Industrial Complex. He he is one of the writers uh on and just like that. And today he is going to break all the NDAs, spill all the tea, put everything on the line. The shockingly handsome Lucas Froelich. Luke, hello. Hello, hello. And I, I got to say that Michelle Collins, I regularly say, is the funniest person alive. I really, oh my God. she true. is the funniest friend I've ever met. And I'm so thankful that uh, I get to hang with her today across the I continents. Know. How funny, because Luke and I have known each other through our friend Dave and, friends Dave and Hannah, how long, Luke? Like ten years? I mean, honestly, I lived a in decade. LA. Yeah, it was a yeah. it was a, like a failed talk show that that took off, and this friendship. My middle name. Did you say fail talk show? <laughs> I should, wait, when do we pitch my talk show called Fail Talk Show? Because that actually is the only title Perfect. it yeah. could possibly be called. And we ran into each other once in London. I was in a beautiful um, home shop in the middle of winter, and I saw a handsome man in shorts, and I thought, I have to know that man. And I looked up, and it was Luke. Perennially <laughs> in shorts. Like, wow. It was my calling card. Yeah. yeah. No, truly. Still sweating. God, what a meet cute. So Aww. let's zoom out before we zoom in. Michelle... It's the late aughts. You're, I believe, mm. a young single gal roaming around New York City at the time, albeit considerably younger than the gals from our show. Thank but how you. does your, paint the picture of your life at the time, your dating, your friendships, how does it stack up to what you saw in the show? We're talking late aughts because I'm dumb, like 2008 time? Early aughts, I guess. Early aughts would be better. The, the height of sex in the city. I mean, I was young. I know this might shock people um, from my smoker's voice, even though I don't <laughs> smoke. I too late Early aughts, I was early 20s. It, my dating life was not great in New York, only because I was so tall. I was 
I guess I was the Samantha, but um, but heavy, you know, so that didn't help. But I was, uh, you know, because I was like the tall one in the group. Yeah, dating was fine. I loved Sex in the City. I mean, I watched the show, obviously, because I'm not an idiot. I, you know, loved it. I loved the girls. Um, my friends and I would talk about it, but it felt much more sophisticated than whatever dating world I was in. And actually thinking about it now, I don't think the apps were a thing in the early 2000s. No. So dating was not very easy in New York. I'll, I'll go ahead and say, I mean, I did it. I have some great stories. I have stories that I think would have made great episodes, but you know, uh, listen, life. if any, uh, come to mind as we're talking today, just, you know, jump in. Oh, well, the, the first one, I, in fact, I was just talking about this because I had such an age gap with this guy that um, we had a 15 or 16 year age gap. So I didn't think it was weird at the time, but apparently it's like people talking about Chris Evans marrying someone young is a bad thing. But um, I lost my wallet and then I ended up dating the guy who found my wallet. That was like a fun oh. one. I really didn't tell that in the long way because I don't want to be here all day, but it's <laughs> it's a cute. I had a lot of meet cutes and a lot of cute little stories, but Listen, there's a reason I left New York. Everyone's 5'5 five, five and under, and I couldn't do it. Luke gets it. Luke's nice and tall. No, it's, it's true. You see in New York, it's everyone's tiny there. It's where my people, the Jewish people, tend to flock, and we're not a big people. That's it. Had to, had to go to Amsterdam. Where none of us are. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Fam- famous destination. Only yeah. Jew in Amsterdam. Yeah. And it's killing. It's killing. Anyway, but yeah, it's been fun. You were just here, and I'm... Sorry that we didn't overlap. I'm in New York now and we didn't overlap. Although I went to San Ambrose the other night and I said, my <gasps> husband, this is Michelle Collins' oh. favorite restaurant. He was like, oh, again. He, with this. Wait, he loves you so a much. Table, what table did you have? And also, what did you order? And did they charge you 40 bucks for a rose like they did to me last time I went? <laughs> I probably. We had like the corner booth. We had a really good table. I think oh. that when I made the reservation, I lied and said it was a special occasion. And then they asked when we were sitting down and I panicked and said, it's our anniversary. But wait, that's it was so clever time. to do that. But then you need to go in with a story, obviously. My my sure, parents actually, sure. with every hotel they check into, they say it's their anniversary, which is an insane thing. But they get truly the craziest rooms. And it's like they've been married for 45 years. So I feel like every trip, you know, they go on should be a celebration of their wedding. But they literally, every <laughs> hotel says their anniversary. And you, the least you get at like the most bunk hotel is like, drink tickets but they'll send you like champagne upgrade you all the time it's not a bad trick on the smart like, what are you I guys celebrating out. world's best liars world's oldest liars <laughs> yeah, that's what i would sure. say <laughs> well that's clever luke this episode is brought to you by better help as many of you know i'm a big therapy person i would say for me the greatest benefit of therapy if i can look back at all of the years that i have spent in therapy has been changing the way that I speak to myself internally. You know, everybody always says like, yeah, you treat yourself the way that you would treat a friend. That's much easier said than done. So many of us are our own worst critics and it 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 takes some 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 help to untangle that. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try because it's entirely online, so it's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So take a moment, visit betterhelp.com slash like Matt today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash like Matt. 
You know, this show is all about honest conversations where we we really face our fears. And for some of us, it's a fear of aging. For some of us, it's a fear of carbs. And hey, I get it. The fear is real. But that is why I'm so excited to tell you about our sponsor, Hero Bread. Hero Bread has remade many of your favorite foods, but in these fluffy, delicious versions that include no net carbs, zero grams sugar, and fewer calories, plus protein, and fiber. Two of my favorite things. I've always said, if I ever have twin children, their names are going to be protein and fiber. What did I have for lunch today? A tuna sandwich on their seeded bread. It was the perfect texture. It toasts up just like a dream. My God, was it good. And right now, if you go to hero.co and use code like Matt, you will get 10% off your first order. So don't give up on being a breadhead because Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co, use code like Matt at checkout. That's like Matt at H-E-R-O dot C-O. We actually met at my wedding. Yes. Because yeah. your boyfriend James is a friend of ours and you came with him. I was very excited to meet his beloved. Also, you know, you work with Michael Patrick. I do. I do. As everyone knows, is my closest friend. Strangely, he couldn't make <laughs> it, but he did send you along with a gift, which I appreciated. But I, sweet, yes. I bring it up because, Michelle, we started off our wedding with basically a cold open that was like, it was a reading from Sex and the City, but it was really like a long, it was like a one act play. It was beautiful. And there's still a lot of lot of feelings amongst my girlfriends over like who I cast as the Carrie, this and that. They're still dealing with the fallout a year and a half later, but. Wow. Luke, how do you, what did you make of that well, spectacle at the time? It was, I mean, it was also, your wedding was the most gorgeous day I've ever experienced. Right, it was unbelievable in every way. You. And like the lead up, the little like, you know, the violins playing all, you know, it was like the Friends theme, the Sex and the City theme. It was like a really a pop culture melange of like, I think the Succession theme. It was gorgeous. And it was like most beautiful Ojai setting. And then, you know, it was like four comedians doing this fucking amazing uh, interpretation of Sex and the City. And I loved it so much. One of Casey Wilson and June Diane were in it. And I, you know, I'm huge fans of them. I'm like a big bitch sesh diehard and all that world. And so I had told them like initially I saw when I saw Casey Wilson, I said to her, like, she was like, I told her I worked for Michael Patrick King. And she was like, well, what did you think? Do you think I was Charlotte? And I had to compliment her. I wasn't going to be like, well, I think you're more of X, Y, or Z. And then because I do think she was a bit more of a carry ultimately, but I had already mm. so later on. I'm looking for a cigarette because when I'm drunk, I want to smoke a cigarette. And the only cigarette lit at that party was June Diane. So I go over there and then your husband tells them that I work for Michael Patrick King and all their heads turn and they're like, well, what did you think? Were we correctly cast? And I, you know, had been imbibing a bit much. And I personally felt like June Diane was more of a Samantha. And I didn't realize like the cardinal rule is you never tell an actor they've been miscast. And it really created oh, no. a, uh, <laughs> I had to dive out of that. And it seemed that they're still talking about it in a certain way. They, uh, she has not forgotten that. She has no, not she forgotten it. She did, soon. It did not. And Wait, I'm can a, I ask, who, sorry to interrupt, who played the other two? So it was June Casey. Kulop Falaisak played Samantha. Love. And, and part of it was just like Kulop's presence was so, and I've, I mean, she would be fine with me saying this. It was, she was bringing a sexual vibe, you know? The titties were out. She was looking gorgeous. It was like, it would have been wrong to cast her as anyone else. And then 
my friend Laura Kindred, who you probably don't know, was Miranda, and she's there is no where Miranda ends and she begins. There's it's no beautiful. difference. Yeah. So that one, you know, there was oh, no. Wow. It was really between Casey and June over who was. You know, everybody wanted to be Samantha. They were all great. It was, and it was also like I was offending basically the women that are almost like who are what are your Sex in the City like the the pantheon of your goddesses like Casey and June are like goddesses in my head. So I somehow offended them in this way, and it was mine too. Really, it was not. It did not go over well and i felt i ate uh crow or whatever the word is um there but it was there were two women i i don't want against me on this planet it's casey and june like i (laughs) i feel for you in this story because i adore them and the idea of being on their bad side it's how i mean i just not that no just because they're they're just I don't know. They're very powerful women. Passionate forces of nature that I, lo- yes. that I love dearly. So I, I of truly... Of course, the funniest. It was a perfect casting, let me just say, oh, for the wow. record. And that uh, you should change nothing. It was a great wedding. And yeah. So good. That was my... Great answer. Since we mentioned Samantha, how have you, Michelle, processed mm-hmm. her absence in and just like that? How honest can I be? I think You know, everyone... be unfiltered. And by that, I mean slightly filtered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... I miss her, of course. Yeah. I think that, listen, we love the show because we love that foursome dynamic. So when you take one of them away, and especially, let's be honest, the funniest one. I mean, Samantha was the one who had, she was the sex on that show. Everyone else was kind of whiny. And then Samantha came through to be like, you're all being whiny. I'm going to go fuck this guy. Get it together. Like, that was just always her energy. So to take the one sort of Greek chorus person out was a little bit tough. For me, and also, but I understand it's life. I understand it's complicated. Um, I was happy they brought her back, even for but a moment. You know, this past season, it's tough. And here's the thing: listen, I also love the show. And before, in case anyone's listening, they should know mm-hmm. <laughs> that, like Thursday morning, when when the moment it's out, I watch it. You know, this is not a show that I like let sit for a few days so and luke i loved your episode this season i'm not even just saying it to be nice it was one of the best episodes of the season genuinely funny felt authentic it was just great so i love the show but yeah i don't know i just they kept bringing these other women in and it felt it gave poochie on the simpsons energy a little bit like you know like we gotta keep it we gotta bring the other one okay let's bring this one in (laughs) it was giving like mild poochie for me but also who doesn't love a bit of poochie like you know He's great. Anyway, I don't know. I do miss Samantha, but I also still adore the show. Luke, is there a blanket statement you would like to make in defense of the show, a response to the haters? In regards to Samantha or haters in general? The entire series. Well, I'll say first off, I mean, the fact is I've worked on shows where like truly it comes out and no one watches. There's barely a review. There's anything. And it's just like a miracle today to like have any sort of traction or conversation about it. So bar none, like I do love that the excitement. I'd love this if I wasn't even working on the show of just the fact that it's like there is a monocle, a brief monoculture here. And that like that part I fucking love because I think it's so rare. And it's like for it to be a show about women in their 50s talking about things that aren't typically discussed in the first season, you know, mortality and aging and that stuff like that, like that wouldn't happen without this like cast of characters. So it's like it's just such like a, a great Trojan horse to discuss all these things that like wouldn't get made. Like these shows don't get made essentially of dealing mm. with these kind of topics. So I love that. And I love that that's something that's like that people's opinions are wild and very 
varied and I mean like obviously it's a lightning rod but I think it's like ultimately exciting and as people that like are working the show it's like a great outlet to like slip in things that you know will be uh kind of discussed in at large and I think with Samantha I obviously fucking love Samantha and it's like you know you'd be hard pressed to find a character that's like more memed to this day 25 years later like constantly like every single day in such a way I do think it'd be a fascinating experiment to be like if the show existed specifically like last year when it was like a kind of a darker show like how that humor worked it would have worked its way in and because it now it feels like a little bit a different mm. universe almost but um you know i'd obviously love a world where they were around more but i think the show really does uh i love all the new characters so i'm kind of a, a passionate uh yeah passionate fan i drink Can the kool-aid and slightly make the kool-aid i'm gonna edit what i said you you swayed me you're right but i think that with the new dynamic it maybe would have been strange and, and i'm not just it's saying just it. Like you're making me think so yeah. totally it goes a lot of different places and I think it would have it would have been an interesting thing and, and I think it gave an opportunity kind of you know I like the idea that it's even though everyone calls it like Sex and the City whatever spinoff or sequel it's like it is a fully different show from the voiceover to everything else so it's like and there's been a few cases in TV where that's like happened where it's like a show is like sequelized but it's like very different um, yeah. yeah can I ask one thing Matt yeah. and please, please Maddie stop me it literally Maddie, cut me out of the whole episode but I'll tell you but don't <laughs> I want to say, because you mentioned that it's rare to see shows of women in their 50s, which is so true. And there was an episode this season, and I texted you about it, because uh, last year I was invited for a chat at Gloria Steinem's house to talk about menopause. Now, I'm now 42. At the time, I was 40, 41. But I thought, you know, how can I not go to Gloria Steinem's house to talk about menopause, which I, I almost think that going there gave it to me. Like, I feel like I had my first hot flash <laughs> that night. I'm not just saying that. But anyway, but it was an incredible thing. I got my best black turtleneck out, steamed it. You know, I got all my look together for Gloria's house. And then it was this very star-studded thing. It was like Gail King, Juliana Margulies, um, Brooke Shields, who sort of insulted me in a funny way, even though mm -hmm. she's a lovely girl. Brooke Shields, so funny. Wait. Can Go I tell off. you one thing Brooke said? This is, is this bad? Edit it out. It's funny. It's funny. We need it. I was saying how, you know, we're all going around the circle and it's very nice bringing me back to my Barnard roots. And I was saying at that point, I think I was in like living in London. I was not in New York anymore, but I was coming already to Europe because I'm such a relatable person for your listeners. I just mm -hmm. want them to know super relatable. <laughs> right. And, um, and anyway, and I said that and we were talking about dating and Brooke said to me, yeah, and they like people all sizes there. <laughs> Which, like, oh, dear God. Oh, my God. It's... I was like, Brooke, you just fat. I don't even know Brooke Shields. I went, Brooke, you just fat shame me in front of Gloria. That is. And I'm like. Oh, God. She Did went, she or yeah. isn't she a fellow tall woman? Was she well, just related to you on that she level? Said, oh, which okay. she said, yes, but she, you know, she, she cleverly, Princeton grad, cleverly backtracked, where she was like, no, I, listen, I'm also, you know, I'm an athletic build. I mean, she's one of the world's <laughs> foremost supermodels. Like, <laughs> I always laugh about that because I know she did not mean it that way. It like was a slip of the tongue meant to be sweet, but then also incredibly <laughs> sideways. Anyway, and then the yes. episode happens where they're back at Gloria's house this season. I couldn't believe it. That that is because uh, Alisa Zaretsky went to an, uh, one of the writers and producers on the show and writers from the original went to that an event. I guess it was a different one than you went to. Who actually? Uh, yes. But it was like the same kind of thing, and she was just like, "This is too fascinating." And then and then getting into like similarly what you discussed, like of being like, which is what the show is obviously about, of being like that, like the, the how being a woman of a certain age, it's like 
when you're in your 50 and someone's in 70s being like our age. And it's like, no, that's so drastically different. And kind of like mm. the, there was a whole bit that I think was cut from it, but being like, <clears throat> you know, you are the age that you feel in your head in a certain way. And there was a whole thing that day that was kind of an interesting uh, thing. But yeah, they, I mean, obviously they take a lot from the real lives and uh, yeah, that event sounded fucking oh. hysterically loaded. And the, and then when we filmed it, it was in, um, the house that is the house from Devil Wears Prada, like that, which is the <gasps> only time they've ever let film besides that. And it was, so that was like a, a wild experience. Also, it was like a nightmare because it was this Upper East Side townhouse that like every time you went in or out, you had to put on booties. And like I have size 14 fo- feet. So like it's me in torrential rain trying to put on booties. Oh, well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, uh, Luke, we like men who have all sized feet. Don't yeah, worry. Exactly. Right. All sizes. That's, yeah. <laughs> that very, that Brooke Shields story is very, um, you know that clip of Countess Luann where she is talking oh. to a bunch of little girls and there's like this very cute, like kind of plump little girl who says to Countess Luann, like, uh, Luann's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she's like, I want to be a supermodel. And she's like, well, you still got time. You know, you can, <laughs> weight comes off, the weight comes off easy. <laughs> I'll yeah. say this. I won't even compare Brooke Shields to Luann. It's not true. <laughs> no, yeah. I love yeah. Luann too. Don't get me wrong. But anyway, yes, that's exactly what it felt like. I had to get that out while Luke was here, yeah, Maddie. Yeah. It's so you important. Know. No, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something else I want to ask you about, Luke, because I feel like this is an area where we really saw your influence in season one. Oh, no, season two. The... I asked Michael Patrick about this, and he gave me a very diplomatic answer, unfortunately. But the Bethany Frankel joke, Seema and Carrie, mm. they're out of drinks. Carrie doesn't want to go to the Hamptons or something. And Seema says, is it because of Bethany Frankel? And Carrie says, ha, SJP doesn't make any Bethany jokes. She does laugh at a Bethany joke. The world does collapse in on itself a bit because it's like, wait, so if Bethany Frankel exists, then so does Andy Cohen. And Andy Cohen's best friend is Sarah, you know. So there's the fun of that, but we both, when it first aired, we were like, that was Luke. It was Am not me, actually. No, it was it not was me, not. but but I will say that, like, that, I I mean, I cherish everything, you know, the she seemed also makes like a Bravo TV reference at some point, too, that was, like, very, uh, that, and then also, what's his name from Million Dollar Listing, Ryan, yeah. also oh, in the yeah. show, so it, it really does collapse in itself, and I, I'm always pushing for more brony type, you know, I think actually like it was talking who we were talking about was like that samantha maybe it was this podcast i was listening to someone is saying that samantha would have been a great real housewife of new york and it was like that that actually would have yeah. occurred you know she maybe she got too real so i think sadly that bravo reference wasn't mine but i'm constantly pushing for any sort of a bravo reference obviously mm. i brought it up because my friend deanna's theory is that the straw that broke the camel's back for Bethany and began this like rampage that she's on against against Bravo now really stems back to that moment that she Whoa. couldn't. Yeah. Which I she, think uh, could she, hold water. She posted about it and I did not love that like smug grin where it was like people are talking about me and it's I really have no patience for Bethany Franklin in this. Uh, I hate her so much. You know what? You hate her? Hate. She's going to be bad for reality TV. She's ruining it. And I'm like, what, what sort of like you know, traumas were made uh, on her you know, big the big B with Bethany or whatever it was called. Like I'm sure she did. Big shot with Bethany. Watch every episode. I'm like, yeah. Watch every episode. <laughs> I watched every horrible show. Couldn't get enough. I that is how I feel about Bethany. Horrible. Can't get enough. I can't. Yum. I can't shovel enough of her horrible content in my eyeballs. Like, and so I, you know, I don't know what it is. I love seeing. I love how. Um, she just will go on her Instagram looking like straight up Momo, and she does not care. She's like, listen, <laughs> I'm gonna go full shellfish. Momo eating raw shrimp and like tossing the shells and talking about the Hamptons. And this is what I do. The whole TJ Maxx Manolo thing. I don't know. There is something about her that I really get a lot of entertainment from. So I can't, 
I'm in this weird sphere with her where it's like, I get it. Believe me, because I used to sure. also, she's, she's a tough one, but I also do appreciate her content. Sorry to say. You're not wrong. I, and I think no. part of the reason this, you know, revolution she's trying to lead is hard is that, you know, it's like she has truly burned this bridge. There's no mm. turning back. And wow. I think, like, I was always holding out hope that at some point, you know, they're going to bring back the other, the, the Ramonas and the Luans in some form beyond this one, like, girls trip. And I always hoped that we'd see all of them back together at some point. And now it's like, now she can never, she just. The band is a band. Yeah. Although, yeah, although, no never say never. As as Kim Cattrall taught us, never say never. Enough though. money. Money yeah. talks. And, you know, she's got to have that money to afford all the TJ Maxx. So it's like, got to. Bethany oh, does one was? cameo that's only a phone call. <laughs> yeah. I would love that. Who buys $900 shoes at TJ Maxx? Anyway, take it away. That's what she deserved, is getting a fake pair of shoes. Anyway, go on. You're so right. Okay, so we're in episode three, When in Rome. We open on a recording sesh of America's Favorite Podcasts, X, Y, and Me, hosted by Che Diaz. We learn that Che's got their Netflix comedy concert coming up this week, and everybody's going. Michelle, talk us through your feelings about Che. Wow. Well, listen... You know, it's a great segue from Bethany to Che because we have a lot in common for me now that I'm really thinking about it. Like, you know, you, you get it where there for me, I'll say that I always have an issue as a comedian. I always have an issue with actors who are cast to play comedians. I will bring up the marvelous Mrs. Maisel as a great example of. You just cannot copy the timing of a professional comic, just like I could not get on a Broadway stage and do what Sarah does. She's a brilliant performer. So, you know, I I just feel like they're almost setting themselves up for failure from the beginning to do that. Because you can't, they're trying to act out timing and you kind of just can't do, it's like natural. You can't really do that. So I have an issue with that. But listen, we talk about Che. I'm not going to lie. I feel like I've had after two seasons almost enough, but I've had enough of a few of the side characters, not only Che. I like what they brought to the show. I think that it was fun to discuss. Certainly every week, you know, there was a bit of a cringe factor with the comedy aspect of it. Watching them do the pod, you know, opening with that podcast and even, and and Luke, please don't be mad. I, I podcast for a living. I'm the saddest person of them all. While I'm speaking, I need the listener to know, I know I'm the saddest person of everyone we're talking about on this show. So please understand, I come from the pits, the mud baths. Like, I am at the (laughs) bottom of the barrel, all right? But watching them kind of just pretend to have the podcast patter and what they think that sounds like was tough. You know, but listen, I appreciate the representation Shea brings. I think that it's important. And also, when you think about the Sex and the City viewer from 20 years ago all the way to today... You know, I'm sure this is the first time a lot of them have ever seen a non-binary character on television and understanding that. And that I think that goes for a lot of the characters on the show, frankly, of introducing this world to people in like Orange County who have never heard of this before. Mm. So I'm on the fence with Che. Just I wish the next time, Michael, if you're listening, I got great timing and I'll <laughs> shave my head for the right price. I said it before, I'll shave my head for the right price. <laughs> I'll look exactly like Luke. Luke, if I shave my head, people would be like, oh, twin, size 14. <laughs> they look my feet. Brooke Shields. She's I like, would size love 14. to be your stand-in, honestly. That would be my oh goal. My, my goal in life would be. <laughs> they get you the Mrs. Doubtfire. Put, like little like, bob uh, on. Zip yeah. up. Oh, Lord. Anyway. Did you so, see yeah. Luke's uh, appearance on the show, by the way? Wait, who were 
you know? Well, you might in have missed the it. Taping. We can miss it. Yeah. Of the making in the taping <gasps> of Che Passa, I was played one of the writers, uh, kind of like a cohort of BD, the um the showrunner who gets very offended by like oh, uh, yeah. they, they they whatever, um, played by Abby Wallenbach, who's wonderful. And Michael Michael said Michael Patrick King always says that I say of course, of course, all the time when he's like flipping out about something so he said that the whole time i just had to keep going of course of course of course that's and funny so you can see me just saying of course a lot if you look at that uh but it was the role of a lifetime and the best 200 dollars i've ever earned that's it i'm about to strike I, here in yeah, amsterdam 200 truly. well it was Can't like even you know, buy manolo's and there, tj yeah. maxx with that money oh no. my god uh, that was horrible. a featured featured extra role they're really pushing it with that technically i didn't say anything but they really did feature me on camera i feel you said a and lot who wouldn't want to yeah yeah Exactly. So overall, Luke, I know it was a while ago, but this episode, anything that stands out to you from the writer's room or from filming? Well, it's kind of, it's, you know, I couldn't be, you know, more of like know the show more intimately. And yet like watching this was kind of shocking after whatever a year and a half of being like, wow, this is a fully different show than season two, just in terms of like, this was, I remember it was supposed to be like after the first two episodes, this was supposed to be like the fun is back episode. And it is really fun in certain ways. But like, it is still, you forget the shadow of grief is like still a big part of it in such a way that like, it is like a, it was just such a heavier time. And I, I love that aspect of it, but it was like kind of shocking for me. It's almost like looking at an old photo of yourself and being like, wow, that was a, they were going through it, you know? Um, and I loved like the romp of it all. I know that they, you know, and they talk about this, I think on the writer's podcast is something like that, but basically this was, I would say of the first season, this was the one that they kind of went back and forth over and over again, Elisa and Julie of like it was initially going to be set in the Hamptons and it was going to be like <gasps> Carrie has a safe and she's like trying to get information out of the safe and she's like what's in the safe and it was kind of the same kind of bit about like what is big hiding or what was I missing and it was like this whole thing and I grew up in the Hamptons West Hampton worst Hampton as they call it but I was just so excited because I was like oh we'll get, go get to go out there and blah 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 and this season too I was like oh we'll get to go out there and both seasons I've not been able to go out there and be like stopped by my parents house so i was kind of pissed about that and um i mean i actually i was this is one of the episodes where i was least on set actually i i don't know if you remember but there was like june of 2021 i guess that's when it was it was like it was right when things were like opening up and it was right after pride month and so it was july of 2021 and so there was a thing going around called the gay cold people were calling it which was like after pride oh, like when yeah. the world opened up and everyone's getting very sick i guess i caught it so i was stripped from set <laughs> anyway so i was not on set as much and i remember just being like laying on my floor like sweating it out because we were getting te covid tested all the time and i was basically oh, i was like what's going on on set and the beautiful thing about and just like that is that you can just literally search getty images or paparazzi things and basically by the hour see like set updates so i was getting to see like what was going on mm. set from my bed just sweating out this uh awful cold so anyways that mm. aspect i remember and then just you know um i think there's just the fun of those like girls in soho was like really just thrilling just like because that was the one of the first times they were all together on the street and it's like there is this energy and psychotic scene that forms you know it's just like it starts with one paparazzi who somehow got the call sheet and then it like <gasps> all you know every day that happens where it's like whether we're filming coney island or wherever it is if the furthest it goes it goes like one paparazzi and then slowly a crowd accumulates and that scene i remember was just like bedlam essentially because it was the first time they were all out there and it's like literally the beatles you know as they step out of their car and then they're trying to film scenes you know sometimes very intimate personal scenes and it's like constant battle with paparazzi or crowd so it's like the fact that their performances are so incredibly rich and nuanced and all these things 
but while being filmed like that, like when they're on the streets is always so impressive to me and uh, definitely shows up here. Yeah, the caper of it all is, I mean, this is one of yes, my favorite the fun episodes. Of, yeah, totally. But yeah, before this obviously was Big's funeral, which I found so moving, even though, as I've said a million times, I was very happy to see him go. <gasps> Michelle, where are you with the big and the Aiden of it all? Oh my God. Well, this episode for me was sort of like the end of Les Miserables when they bring back all the dead characters. I Because <laughs> now that we're going back and seeing like Carrie's hot producer, who I loved, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Why they got rid of him again. Huge <laughs> mistake. No, because... You know, you need some eye candy on the show. And sure. you know, a little bit would be nice. Um, but long story short, also the big funeral, I agree. I didn't realize how early in the season he died. I didn't realize it was, I thought it was like at the end of season one. So seeing that it was by episode three, they already buried him was a shock, to be honest. For sure. But you asked me about Aiden and Big. I was happy to see Big go. I was always an Aiden girl. Always from, when she went upstate to, um, oh, what, what, where did he live in Suffern? Oh my gosh. I like loved all of the Aiden-ness of that all. Watching him cry was hard for me and it has nothing to do with men expressing emotion. One of my kinks. I love that. <laughs> uh, it, no, really. I love what men cry. I'm like, oh my God, what is he doing? He's being crazy right now. Like, I really love watching men just weep. But for some reason, I don't know. It's, it, I'm happy he's back. I'll say. It would be nice to find season three, a new hot guy, like producer adjacent who Carrie can connect with. I think it's coming because I'm sorry, she's not going to sit for five years waiting for the guy's son oh, to grow yeah. up that. I mean, please, it's ridiculous with that hair. No one has better hair on film than Sarah Jessica Parker, her it hair, really every is. episode it's, it's to dive. I don't understand how it's so nice. I, I watched even this one. It's just perfectly curled. It falls perfectly. It's very frustrating as a it's woman stunning. to see that. Like how, Luke, how? Matt, it's a, I, I honestly, like, I, I sometimes I gasp when she walks into set. I will right? say, she, she oh like, truly, God. it's like, lumin- that's luminous, honestly. Yeah, I agree. Ugh. And I'm not big, even a hair guy. Luke, I just called you big. Yep. I just, <laughs> size 14. Wow. Size 14. <laughs> they have pretty much nothing in common with big except for I You guess, don't. Yeah, Thank yeah. God. I'm a, I'm a finance guy, ultimately. Yeah. Never. No. I hate him and I adore you. But Luke. What was your reaction when you learned that that's how the series was going to? I mean, I'm sure you knew earlier than everyone because this was kind of the plot of the movie that never. Yeah, the plot of the movie, and I kind of knew that, and that was something that I knew for years before it was kind of like revealed and, you know, on podcasts and articles, whatever. There was basically before, in between the movie not happening and the series starting, that was kind of like a a floating thing. And then so it was uh, basically, I knew and I was like really, you know, I thought it was a. I thought it was the reason to come back, you know, in a such a way. And it was like, because it's like dramatically, there's just, there are some interesting things you could say about a successful couple, but you intrinsically already have that with Charlotte and Harry. And it was like, it just, I totally get why that was the impulse. And that's like the the reason why, especially because it's like, I think it's so relatable for, especially, you know, as you get older, like being like, well, what does happen when you do have it all? And it's like, naturally that we all have that moment in life where our lives kind of like take shift. And I thought that was a really incredible way. And I mean, the, keeping it secret. I mean, the first season there was like false scenes that they filmed and there was like the, the level of kind of like hiding that big wasn't around was really kind mm-hmm. of incredible to watch just like the production hoops they were willing to jump through. 
And I mean, I think that like that I as I love that journey and and SJ's performance the whole season is just so beautiful of like dealing with grief. And then now I'm also happy that there's like kind of this bittersweet the fun the joy of it in season two was kind of fun to get to see that aspect and see how like there's a whole she, there's all new tricks and and a playgrounds for her to play in essentially uh weird way to put it uh in season two so i'm kind of like couldn't have done that without season one but i like love the um the joy that's now part of it too so yeah Mm. Mm. yeah and this is the first like really fun storyline of the now see now a little bit of time has passed since he passed and you know carrie's rounded up the girls and they've got a mission and so there's like this fun drive right from the jump that she's like found out that he left a million dollars to natasha and she's got to figure out why so we got a caper and we're roping in the girls. It's just like a breath of fresh air. Totally. Loved the she's wearing flats joke. Uh, mm. Love the moment of Carrie walking away from Natasha's office after she gets blown off and she's talking to herself. Just funny shit is happening. No, totally. Also, Carrie trying to break into Big's computer. She's trying to figure out his password. I hate to say it, but so relatable. Not because I've mm. had husbands die, but I have tried mm. to get into a phone or two in my time. Either of you ever been there? Uh, I'll say that I've never been there per se, but I have used Russian facial recognition websites. <laughs> to, that is not a joke. And I'm not talking your casual ones that are like, maybe, you know, like tiny pick or whatever. I'm talking Putin sanctioned <laughs> URLs where you put someone's photo in it and it brings up everything you need to know about the person. And actually years ago, Maybe this is this totally different now that I'm like admitting to this. Years ago, there was an app which no longer works, so don't don't get into it. But it was called, <laughs> I think, Truth Finder. It's thirty bucks a month, and you could put someone's phone number or whatever into it, and they would bring up if they're bankrupt, the properties they own, where their family is. I found out a guy that I was dating had a wife. Are you listening to this because of Truth Finder? Yes. So that's I, also a good name for your pilot, Michelle. Truth Finder. I feel like yeah. Truth Finder. <laughs> let's pitch it. I'm ready to go. Are we crossing the line? I'm joking. That's a joke, obviously. But me and Drew Barrymore pitching it. Done. Next week. <laughs> oh joke, obviously. Listen. So yeah. So I've never, but I've never tried. I don't know if I've ever tried to hack into someone's phone or laptop necessarily, but I wouldn't put it past me. And by the way, I think I would get it because I'm really, Mm. women are like kind of trained after being lied to so much to have this part of themselves, which is, you know, like a hacker, I would say. (laughs) Luke, I bet you've never done it, but it's been done to you. No, I don't think it's not been done <gasps> to me, but I, I, I spent like a year working in reality TV uh, development, like unscripted development. And my research skills really similarly like shine through where I feel like I could have cracked a code sort of just like not Russian malware programs, but, you know, just mm-hmm. I can really dig. And there's some little hacks on Instagram where you can kind of like figure out who's following who, what's what, you know, the timing, all that. There's I would say like darker stuff on social media for me on the official apps, less the uh, unsanctioned apps. Mm. At my most unhinged, uh, this was a very long time ago, I had gotten dumped by somebody and I did the thing where I like rounded up all of our mementos from our time together, like every, like movies, pictures, movie subs, things that like no one would give a shit about and put it in a big like Bloomingdale's bag and drove over to his house to leave it on his porch to be like there, he, as, if, like, <gasps> as if that was going to show him. And when I got there, I put it down and I got back in the car and then I remembered that he famously never locked his door and so i got back out of the car and i went into that house and i <laughs> walked around and went into his bedroom wow. we he now knows about this we've had a laugh about it it's shocking that i was not arrested but went into his bedroom saw 
literally like a big giant like um like aqua for bottle with a pump Hilarious. next to the bed and <laughs> and on his bed a half open laptop and it was like well here this is the <gasps> big mo- am i gonna and i did i went over and i opened it up and it was uh, i didn't need a password uh and i started going through his laptop and i found oh wow <laughs> Like a Word document where he had started to like write something, almost like a journal entry or something, or write something, and it was a quote of something that I had said when he broke up with me. So in, the, in a weird way, documents. that was it was the first <laughs> thing that came up. Did you search like Did you search Mac yeah. or something like that? Tip for that to warn. Because I, I would like, have. You know, I would have effectiveness. That would be a good. You're like I went yeah. into his Excel, his work Excel, and he had some addition. Like who goes into Word documents? Emails make sense. That I get. But going through the word docs is a new level of deranged, but I love you for it. That is, that's scary. That makes, that actually filled me with dread hearing you tell that story. I'm sorry. I know it's, it is, it's alarming. I, I was, I was really unwell. Anyway, moving (laughs) right along. (laughs) I love that. No, it's respectable. I wish I could. Respectable. And also everyone's dream. Let's be honest. It's that you had the balls to even do that. I would be terrified that there were like a ring cam or you know, it's something along those lines. I, I, like I, I have ring cams yeah. in my house. I don't know about you guys. I do I, have. I, I do don't, now. But I feel like I would, this is the sort of thing, if I was the invisible man, I would like do that to everybody's. You know, oh just, my God. I would love that. out, you know? I got, I got ring cams and I told the story in my show because um, I had a gentleman who would visit me. Like, this sounds like I was paying him. There was a guy that I had a strict <laughs> kind of sexual only relationship with for like years in New York, on and off. And during COVID, he came over and it was literally the highlight of lockdown for me. I'm not even going to pretend otherwise. (laughs) It was the high, I mean, it's a longer story, but the point is, is that he left and I realized that one of my designer bags was gone from like my bag shelf. Very carry story, actually. And I went fucking, and I looked everywhere and it was gone and I went nuts. I was like, I can't, it was a bag my parents got me. So that was also worse, like not even from a well-known brand, but this Italian brand, who knows? And um, I blocked him. I was out of my mind. I blocked him. He was also being weird. He had like druggy energy that day. So I thought he's selling my bag for drug money. Genuinely, I went off the rails a year and a half later. I got a text from my producer at Sirius where I worked being like, hey, is this yours? They found it at my desk. And it was the bag. And anyway, that's the story. So I say I'm like the opposite of that. So I had that's how I got, I got Nest Cams because that's how crazy I am that I got cameras because I thought if anyone wants to steal my bags, like, <laughs> I'm literally deranged. Anyway, that ended. But for the best, by the way, I, I needed that to happen to block, which was the right decision, if that makes sense. But also, yeah, was what an idiot. You yeah. were looking anyway. for a reason and you gave yourself was one. Was I? Was I dumb? Okay. Yeah. Well, they say time waits for no one and neither should payday. To get your money moving in the direction of your dreams, get Earn In. Earn In is the app that's helping millions of Americans feel self-sufficient without falling into debt traps. Earn In empowers you to live life to the fullest by providing up to $100 a day of your pay within minutes of earning it, no mandatory fees, and no credit check. You just watch your earnings tick up as you work, access up to $750 per pay period. It's easy and free to get started. You just add your bank and employment info. They'll verify your paycheck. It's designed to support you in the short term and long term. So download Earn In today. That's E. 
E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, just type in Just Like Matt under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. That's Just Like Matt under podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Um, we also have this great scene with Stanford joining the girls for lunch. He's kind of taking uh, the Samantha seat. This is one of the, I think, last episodes where I we get some is, really good time with Lily Garson. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what do you remember about him, Luke? Uh, what was it like when you learned that you all had to write him out of the show? It was, uh, I mean, it was really sudden in that, like, I think, you know, because the first three episodes were filmed as a block, which means that they filmed them, you know, you do like a season, like episode, like our first shot, our first scene outside on the streets of New York uh, was like the scene of Carrie Miranda walking into the will. So season like episode three was interestingly like day three of the show. Like, so they filmed one, two and three all together. There were things there that like, he was only there for uh, in my memory, like a few weeks, maybe like three or four weeks of it, of like a seven week shoot of that. And it was, I mean, it was one of those things where I'm just getting to know this person and he was wonderful and professional and lovely. And seeing everybody be so excited to see him, you know, before any of the news came out. And then, you know, there's in that swirl, the first season, as there's so much kind of going on for that to come out and for him to have to leave so suddenly was just, uh, I mean, I, I know it was it was one of those things where I'm around a lot of people who he's known for 30 plus years. And you only you just feel the magnitude of that and the sadness of that. Um, not that I had too much of a personal connection to him or anything like that, but it was really tragic. And then also knowing like creatively, there were big plans from that season and all that. And so there was a lot of retinkering and, and just it was mm. It was a lot, and I know that um, they did. They gave him a great, you know, legacy and way out the way that, and the, this season as well, kind of giving this because also to introduce another death, you know, in the show, you couldn't write him out in that way because it just would have just been so heavy in this way, and mm -hmm. then it also would have been kind of suiting to a character that everybody knows. This is this levity. Um, so I think they found a really great way to do that, but it was certainly very sad and, and a really like left a big hole on set. But he's like, you know, constantly discussed and remembered on set in such a way that it really is like his presence is definitely there um still but it was definitely a, a really um in the swell of so many things going on it was and then while we're it added levels to you know the the big's funeral that was like you know at that point we're kind of getting you know that so it added kind of like these layers of emotion to everything uh i think for everybody really, mm. really so so the comedy concert happens and the world has a lot of feelings about it it's still tearing people apart uh i was reminded what how great the chemistry is between che and miranda i still feel that i still stand by that i'm happy that they're no longer in a relationship but i i get why miranda had to blow up her life over this person and i also i think the most annoying thing about the sort of internet's response to the comedy concert is the idea that like this would never happen that this was not a realistic depiction of, because I don't think that Che is a funny stand-up comedian, but that doesn't make Che an unrealistic character. I have interviewed a million stand-up comedians promoting their fucking specials and pretended that I thought they were funny. And I didn't, you know? Thoughts, Michelle? Uh, all I have in my notes, I wrote Nanette, and then I wrote Cheyette. That's all I wrote. I said, this is, it's so it dumb. Is. It's just, it I kept thinking of Nanette watching it. Yeah. It was, it was Nanette. Um, thoughts, you know, it's funny, watching it again, outside of the sphere of 
Twitter and, you know, the chatter of everyone kind of talking about it. It wasn't as bad as I think I remembered it being. Do you know? I I don't know Mm. what it is. Sometimes I think we're swayed by the public opinion. So, I mean, I didn't laugh, but it was not... The part that I cringed the most for me was when everyone snapped. The snapping, and Luke, I turn to you, why the snapping? Is this the Smalls Jazz Club? I mean, why? I know that they're doing like a New Yorkian, you know, cafe moment. I just, that that's what took it. I wonder if they did it as, actually as a laugh line because they wanted to make it, this is my question, was that like an authentic thing where they were snapping? Or were they like, how do we make people just want to end it all? <laughs> Let's have them all snap. Because it, it just made no sense. I was out with the gay cold that day, I will say. Oh, <laughs> that no, was what a great excuse. But, I mean, I, you know, oh, I, no. I, I love rice and beads, by the way. That joke always gets me somehow. I love it. Uh, and I, I will say the only thing that stands out for me is that it is a long set. Like, I don't think you... It's like a three and a half, four minute set. Like, it really is a pure... I think you'd be hard-pressed to find another show, maybe Maisel, I guess, that, like, has a just stand-up like shot as if, you know, like it is the Netflix special. So that, I mean, like it, I, I love its boldness and I'm glad it's, uh, you know, it made its mark for sure. That's true. It Certainly sure made its mark. And I love the shock, the whatever the, what's the term? I can't even believe I used to be such a pothead. Uh, would you kiss someone with the smoke? I love uh, Miranda mm-hmm. and Che. Shotgunning? Shotgunning, shotgunning, yeah. yeah. I love that. I didn't even smoke. Such, yeah, the, and that then, was like, a great the slow-mo. Ooh, it was I really... have to tell you that it really, and Miranda's great in that scene. Cynthia Nixon just, it's filmed beautifully. And you were right. It really does solidify these two as, okay, this is a moment. Something's happening here. Well, and they've always yeah, really you, well done. They yeah, also, yeah. like, the writers talked, like, at length about it at the time, but it's like, Miranda's always a character who's been so level-headed and, and one foot out of love. So this was, like, this era, and a lot of people didn't respond to that or or had took issues with Miranda doing this, but it was, like, seeing her be, like, tractor beamy in love, like, kind of, like, tripping over her words. And it was, like, it's a new flavor of that character, which I love, and that it does sometimes take a a specific type of person to kind of unlock that. But I think that was like a perfect introduction to that uh, arc. Mm. I do too. You absolutely get why Miranda is, you know, gay for Chang. And we've <laughs> also beautiful. planted the seeds Good of... <laughs> Thank it's you really so much. funny. Huh. You know, we're planting the seeds of her alcoholism at the same time. She's got a lot going on. She's going back to school. She's got a drinking problem. She's, you know, about Those to Those little husband. bottles. Those little bottles in that backpack. Have you ever seen my favorite intervention? I think her name was Sandy. She was fabulous. Like this really um, fabulous Southern woman. She had a short haircut. She had children and she worked in a clothing store and she would just run. She'd be like, and she was so sweet. All right, baby. All right, honey. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. She'd go to her car and crack the caps open. You know, the noise it makes. It's like cracking your back. Chiropractor TikToks. (laughs) Crack that cap open and chug it. And then famously... In that episode, she's rolling around on her lawn yelling, my babies, my babies. Anyway, she's sober now. <laughs> it's such a great episode. She's sober now. And also, mm. I believe, um, if I'm not mistaken, she's a counselor now herself. So it's an, a happy ending oh, for that. Great. But every time I see those little bottles, I, I think, my babies, I can't. And she, Miranda <laughs> has the same hairstyle as this woman. Uh, yeah, that's it. It's a great <laughs> episode of Intervention, if you can find it. Recommend. Top 10. Top oh. 10. Seriously, though. By the way, to bring the mood down. <laughs> no, no, not I'm at all. To personal Sorry. intervention favorites as well. It's, Wait, it's a, what, what, what's your favorite intervention? Uh, there's this uh, this woman that's like smoking resin on her bed. She, she basically resin. It's like you know whatever she and she lights it on mm. fire in her bed and she goes cockadoo doo doo. I guess 
I regularly say in the morning, cock a doo doo doo, I guess. Anyway. Wait, can I say my other favorite intervention moment and then we can move on? This is like a famous thing. Matt, you might even know this because I do this on the show a lot, but it's where this very poor girl who I pray is better and I'm not a, I'm not a person with a God in my life. Edit this out. Anyway, the point is, is that there's a girl who unfortunately is very sick and she doesn't eat enough. And her mother is a very lovely woman and she comes home and the girl is like, you know, really demanding of the mom, like just kind of manipulating her a lot. And the mother is massaging her feet and the girl is like, Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> like making noises and the mom goes does it hurt bad or hurt good and she goes hurts good anyway hurts good also kills me that's it <laughs> cockadoodles you might guess hurts good kills me i mean the catchphrases are good they're good sorry they're matt so we need good. to hijack yeah. with the intervention please uh, that's what we're here bed. for going, yeah. uh, no, that's what this show's all about <laughs> I wanted to tell you something else about, oh, so last week, Danny Pellegrino was, we were talking about Che, and Danny was saying, I wish that instead of making Che a stand-up, they had made the character a singer. You could have played a lot of the same notes. Mm. It's still somebody, you know, who's like non-binary and a real firebrand. You get to take advantage of the fact that Sara Ramirez is a talented musical theater performer, all that. Beyond. And I was like, yeah, that's great. Then I realized no reason that that can't be, if Che comes back in season three, and I'm with you, Michelle, I don't think they need to. But if they are, even as a, let's say, recurring, maybe just a guest star or two. They're, they'll be back. It's they'll be back. Terminator. Shamanator. They'll let's, be back. We ended the episode with Chase saying, I'm going through, like, I don't know if I might be done with stand-up. I'm going through some, some emotional transitions. Che is a singer in season three. There you go. The mixtape. The fully musical That's episode of Just Like That. Yes. You'd need to have, uh, like, songs that you can sing without paying the rights to. Like, you'd have to use, you know very cheap songs i feel i don't know maybe not maybe it's like hbo money so they don't have to but they, they right. the money for okay. okay. anti-hero was playing in the background of a scene like taylor swift so yeah like in i think it was like episode six where anti-hero lily's in oh, the kitchen never mind maybe seven yeah seven and then just like that I, i'm unaware of these things but i'm like that is a, a tony song to be playing in the background yeah so i do think they have oh yeah they got they needle drops on needle drops oh wow okay then i i love that idea because um sarah has a gorgeous voice oh, yeah um, from exactly. those videos yeah um what else from this episode jumped out at you we've got the beginnings of rock's realization that they're non-binary and charlotte's grappling with that and anthony is uh, very insensitive to it the, the Natasha the stuff shop. is like a highlight, you know, where she, yeah. she at the cafe, I think though that scene in along with like, um, there's two scenes with Seema in the total series where it's just like these kind of conversations that have like a lot of weight to them, you know, like when mm-hmm. Natasha and her, and it's this thing that you could only have, you know, on the third episode of a new show, you could only have with these characters that you've known for dozens of years. So it's like, I just thought that that scene and the way SJ plays that scene is just unbelievable. Uh, and it has just such a beautiful, bittersweet, tender, tender mix to it all that I really, really love. And I love Carrie just wandering around the city, just walking constantly. I think that was just such a fun, fun conceit and like, you know. We were filming in like Central Park at like 6 a.m. Just like with hundreds of extras. It was very fun to watch as well. Like the whole thing. Yeah, I love the Natasha thing. I also, I love the Natasha thing too. I was going to say for me, that was one of the highlights of the episode because it was so authentic. And, you know, they're both such great actresses that that whole toilet scene at the table, I literally, I cried. I did shed a little tear. And I don't know if Mm -hmm. I did the first time I watched it. So I don't know why going back now, and like revisiting this episode affected me more emotionally. I think, I don't know why, but 
they're both such great actresses. God, they were good. Yeah. I'm kind of mad they didn't bring Natasha back again. She was wonderful. She was wonderful. And it was such a good, I think it was a great end to that character where you learn more about them, the kids and everything like that. And it's just like a beautiful, like you got some exposition, you did a lot of work and they both, you know, things where they both got closure from that, but in this really like not cheesy way that just feels like, I mean, I watch these shows mm. like over and over again work and it's like i'll still tear up watching because i just think there's something to they're just such good actors that it really and the writing in this episode is really fantastic so yeah yeah and it's why the show isn't a reboot it's so powerful because of everything we remember them going through it's not they're not just repeating the shit they did before when like carrie's jealous of natasha and you know then she's cheating on on big with natasha you know what i mean it's like it's just the perfect conclusion to that relationship mm. i hope that you know i hope we get more of that in season three like these legacy characters coming back where there's some unfinished business michelle anybody you would like to see return from the sex in the city universe that has not yet well i was gonna say brady's girlfriend in this scene i'm gonna say had the funniest line of the episode where she <laughs> went whole milk is better for aging bones but her timing on that get good get this girl a comedy concert that's I what know. i thought so right Bring her back. Um, who to bring back from the Sex and the City universe? It's tough because it, I need like the wiki page of all the past characters. You know, listen, I was always a Steve girl and it broke my heart to see Steve going through everything they put this poor man through on this mm -hmm. show. So that hurt. And I was always an Aiden girl. So my two favorite guys came back. Would it hurt to bring back uh, the actor John Slattery at some point? I don't know. There's like some of the extra guys that were there could be fun to see again. Um, maybe Richard, if we're going to go the Samantha route, I wouldn't mind seeing a little Richard moment would be fun. If he's still, Smith I don't know Jared. if these people are alive. Poor Smith Jared. Yes. What happened to Smith Jared? Got to Google. He was on Dancing with the Stars recently, actually. I remember God seeing bless. that being like, okay, interesting. Okay, he's a veil. Good for it, yeah. All right, let's 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 find some some way for him to come back. Well, I've been calling for- he's got a... the dancing skills. Exactly, yeah. there you Kim. go. I've been calling for a burger return. There's some unfinished business that- Ugh. We'd love to see you don't want you don't want to see that Michelle. I was never I hated Burger from day one. Oh, same. I hated him like he's every man I've ever known. I can't even tell you. Like just that. I don't I don't want to see that man again. I don't, <laughs> very nice guy, the actor. Don't want to see the character again. Not That's interested. Fair. Even to see Carrie exact her revenge, you know, twenty five years later for the post it. Are we past that? Isn't that sad to have to have revenge on someone who doesn't matter to her, you know? You're talking mm. to someone who broke into Hi, his ex's yeah. house and, <laughs> yeah. and just broke into his word docs. I swear to God, if next season you see Carrie breaking into Burger's house, <laughs> yeah, know, just yeah. like finding just awful so, four and yeah. doc, word docs, like this feels familiar. It's all his um, drafts for all his breakup post-its in the word doc. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we successfully broken at least three episodes of season three already. So Completely. I know. Um, I feel like we some sort of collaborator credit. I don't know if the powers that be. Listen, I'm available, and I'm a seven hour flight from the United States. I'm just going to put that out there. If anyone please. gets any sort of homosexual colds, uh, I don't know. <laughs> just putting it out there. <laughs> we need you on the show, Michelle. I and you're going to make it happen. Yeah, if you're casting like Home Depot skeletons, I'm here. I'm just saying, I'm <laughs> literally do nothing. So call me. Thank you both so much for being Aww. here. Thank you for having this us. This was just a, a blessing from heaven above. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I adore both of you so much. Thank you for having me. It was, so it was a joy to see both your faces. 
And Just Like Matt is a WOW Podcasts production created and hosted by me, Matt McConkey. Our executive producer is Renee Colbert. If you've got a burning question about a relationship or friendship problem, or really anything Sex in the City adjacent, just record a voice memo on your phone and email it to us at andjustlikematt at gmail.com, and I'll answer your question on the show with my very fancy guests. <laughs>